Take your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, we have a great time tonight because I want to help you. We're going to talk tonight about battling Jezebel. We're going to talk about the spirit of Jezebel tonight. This will be new to some of you. Not the experience won't. I promise you, you've experienced it. But I want to show you in the Bible, the spirit of God has been pressing me on this issue so much lately, like nothing in a long time. And so when that happens, I just begin to pray and say, what are you saying? And then I go check prophetic voices around the land, around the nation. And this is what I'm hearing God speak in the nation right now, that our nation is under severe track, attack, <clears throat> spiritually by a very powerful spirit. And I want to talk to you about this tonight in Scripture. I don't know if you're familiar or not, so let, let's just do a little look in the Bible to start with. In the Bible, the Bible speaks about a very powerful, evil spirit named Jezebel. Now, there was a woman in the Bible named Jezebel, but the Bible said that Jezebel is an evil spirit, a very powerful, that can bring a whole nation under control. It brought the nation of Israel under control. And uh, it wasn't just a one-time incident. Jezebel is a powerful, evil spirit that's seen all through world history. The first mention of it in the Bible is in 1 Kings 18, and that was during the period of Ahab's reign, uh, and that was about 850 B.C. You see her again in about 30 A.D. when Jesus was walking on the earth through a woman named Herodias, and then in Revelation chapter 2, we're fixing to read, you see where Jesus identifies her, and Jesus said this in the book of Revelation. He said, the church will struggle with this spirit till the day I get back to earth. That's what the book of Revelation teaches. The church will struggle with this spirit. Now listen to me, it, it is an evil spirit. It's a powerful, broad, evil spirit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the, not the number one strong man in our nation. If it's not, it's certainly number two. If, if this is not the greatest evil influence in our nation, then it must be the spirit of mammon, which is the worship and love of money. But those two are probably one and two right there. So I want you to look in the Bible tonight what the scripture says about this. Now, we're going to read from Revelation chapter 2. Let me tell you, we're going to read here before we read it, in case you don't have a background in Revelation. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. And remember, remember that this is the book of Revelation. This is where God reveals things to us. This is where he shows us. He lets us look behind the scene at the spiritual picture behind what's ruling nations here. He writes seven letters to seven churches. Let me tell you three things about these churches that most conservative scholars agree with. These were literal churches in the earth at that time. Uh, seven churches. Number two, every church that will ever exist can be found in one of these seven churches. I don't know how you could do that, but he's a, God's able to do that. But these seven churches are a picture of every church. You can take me to any church in the nation right now. I can match it to a church in Revelation 2 or 3. I can match the characteristics to one of these. So they, he said, this is what churches will be like. And these seven churches are also seven consecutive eras of world history. And we, we're in the seventh now, and we know it's accurate by the last six just by reading world history. So this is a tremendous revelation from God about what's going to happen. But he writes to one church, the church at Thyatira, and he said this in Revelation 2, 18. Now listen to what Jesus says to this church. Now you've got to remember something before we read this. Can I ask you something? Do you think Jesus can see things we can't see? That's what the book of Revelation is. If you could see it, you wouldn't need a revelation. Revelation is where he shows you what you can't see. All right, Revelation 2.18, to the angel, that's the pastor, minister, of the church of Thyatira, right? These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass. Now, I want you to listen to how he describes this church. This is not a bad church. Listen to how he describes it. I know your works. I'm aware of it. Your love, your service, your faith, your patience. Now, patience there doesn't mean like be nice in the line at Walmart. That's not that kind of patience. This word patience is endurance under persecution. They were being tremendously persecuted for following Jesus and they would not bend an inch. That's the word patience in this use right here. So they're under persecution. He said four things about him. You're being persecuted, but you're not giving in. You have great faith. You're loving people tremendously and you're serving people. And then he said this about him after that. He said, you're serving people. And he said, and the last are more than the first. So we know about this church. This is a growing church. They're doing better and better. They're, they're loving more. They're serving more. This is a great church. If you were to look at this church from the outside, you'd say, man, I, I, that's the church right there. That's what he said about it. Now watch what he says here. However, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow, see the word allow, some Bibles say tolerate. 
you tolerate that woman who? Jezebel. Now, this was not a real woman. I mean, nobody names their daughter Jezebel after Ahab's wife. This was a spirit that was working in this church. Now, perhaps it did work through a woman because she did have a position in the church of a prophetess, but this is an evil spirit. He said, you're letting this woman Jezebel work in this church. It's an evil spirit. And what was she doing? She's doing two things. She was teaching my servants, seducing them <clears throat> to commit sexual immorality and worship idols. You got the picture? So Jesus says this, this is a great church. You're growing, you're strong. If you will turn me down just here, you're growing and you're strong. But the problem is an evil spirit has come against this church and you've let it, you're letting it do this. Can you imagine that? Listen, this church loved God. They, they served people. They, they were a great church, but they did not know that an evil spirit had landed on their church. And what was this spirit doing? Two things. It was seducing people sexually and it was causing them to worship idols. And remember, this is the book of Revelation. This is Jesus giving a revelation that this will be going on till the end of the age. And this spirit shows up all through the Bible, Old Testament, days of Jesus, on through world history. <clears throat> this spirit's active in our nation right now, creating a lot of problems in our nation right now. And he shows it now. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. This attitude that, well, you know, if you're just a half-hearted Christian and you're a, you're a weak Christian, you're going to fall prey to that. Let me ask you a question. Who were the people she went after in the Bible? Do you think Elijah was a lightweight? You think Elijah was a minor leaguer? She goes after strong believers. She went after John the Baptist. I'm not even that ugly. Was John the Baptist a lightweight? He's one of the most powerful men that ever lived. One of the most powerful prophets that ever lived. She killed him. And, and you got to understand, this is not for people who are half-hearted monkeying around. This spirit goes after powerful, strong, committed believers whose works are growing. And uh, show you how strong she is. And then the end, I'm going to show you somebody stronger than her. But she's very powerful. And there's two truths the Bible teaches you and I about this spirit. I believe it operates in the earth right now. I've dealt with it a lot. Number one, she operates covertly. Elijah had no idea what was going on in his life. This church in Revelation, they had no idea why this stuff kept happening in their church and in their lives. They couldn't explain it. John the Baptist was just, he had no idea why this woman hated him so much. Listen, Jezebel can operate and you don't have a clue what's going on until the Spirit of God reveals it to you, until you see it. So she operates covertly. I've had friends who, who have lost their families and ministries over this spirit. One of my best friends, we ran together when I was a young preacher. This spirit got on him and his family, got on his church. It ruined him, ruined his family, ruined his health. And the crazy thing was his daddy was a preacher, did the same thing to his daddy. And, and they didn't know what was going on. They didn't have a clue. So you got to remember, these evil things are very powerful. They operate covertly as it did uh, in, in the scriptures. But let me tell you what our problem is. We still do not believe God's word that says we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness. And this is one of them. This is one of the, a principality is a powerful spirit that rules over a principality, over an area. And this is one of them. And listen, dear ones, you've got to take the Bible at face value. We do not struggle with flesh and blood. We think we're struggling with other people. We think we're struggling with our own flesh. I was crucified at the cross. I'm dead to myself. Our wrestling match is with principalities and powers of darkness, spirit beings in the atmosphere. And this is one we're wrestling with right now. All right, so she operates covertly. The second thing about her is this. You can't see her. You can't see an evil spirit. We say, well, how do you know one's there? The same way you know the Holy Spirit's working. You can't see the Holy Spirit of God. You can't see God. How do you know he's working? Well, what does the Bible say? John chapter three, the wind blows where he wishes. You can't see the wind, but you can tell where it's been. How do you know where God's working? You should be able to open your Bible and see the fruit of the spirit and know when I see people loving each other and I see the joy of Jesus and I see humility and I see service and I see sacrifice, God's working there even though I can't see him. You should be able to know where God's working. You can't see him, but you can know where he's working because you can see the effects of where he's working. But you, you can't see an evil spirit. You say, well, how do you know one's working? You can see the effects. 
And the Bible says you need to be able to identify what's going on in your life by the effect these spirit have on you. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. I'm going to show you in scripture. <clears throat> I'm going to show you in scripture. The Bible gives us a design, a, a design to say, this is how you know if she's harassing you or working in your life or your family or your church. You will recognize she is working in our nation. I mean, Ray Charles could see this. Come on, guys. Anybody could see she's working in the nation. But I want to take you in the Bible. Listen, you will deal with this spirit. I've struggled with it all the ministry I've been in. I've had times where I just had bang up deals with her a time or two. And she's a powerful spirit. But I'm going to tell you something about this evil spirit that's so powerful. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. But if you let her get away with it, what did the Bible say? You are tolerating it. The problem is you are letting her get away with this. And who was letting, Je who was letting Jezebel get away with activity in the middle? A church that was growing in love and service and faith, a great church, was letting it happen. And how many people do I know who don't understand this stuff? Things happen in their lives and they let it happen because they don't know how to deal with it. So let's go to scripture and let's look how you can know this. I want you to turn me to 1 Kings chapter 19. This is the first place where the Bible identifies her. 1 Kings chapter 19, if you're familiar with this, all the way back to the other side. <clears throat> now let me catch up where we're at here. Uh, the king is Ahab. He's wicked. And he was a terrible king. He was a vacillating lily liver. I don't think the scripture says that. That's just a Southern Alamance rendition of what he was. And uh, he made an unholy, ungodly, unbiblical alliance with a pagan queen. Her name was Jezebel. And he married her. It was strictly forbidden for him to marry. He married her. He brought her into the kingdom of Israel. And uh, where Jezebel operates, it needs an Ahab spirit to work with it a lot of times too. And so she was, uh, she was evil to the core. And she defiled the whole nation. And everywhere Jezebel is, it's always centered around sexual immorality. And she began, she led God's people to begin to worship uh, these perverted gods and perform sex rituals. And it's just filthy at what she did in the nation. Ahab let her get away with it. Her husband let her get away with it because like I said, he was lily livered. He had a backbone like a wiggly worm instead of a crowbar. And he let her get away with this stuff because she seduced him spiritually. And this craziness goes on in the nation and the nation just turns from God and they're just destroyed. And judgment comes. You remember when it didn't rain and they were judged and, and all of a sudden Elijah, Elijah calls for a contest. And he said, we're going to find out who the real God is, is it Jehovah or is it Baal? And Baal's the God she led the nation to worship. Do you remember the contest he set up on Mount Carmel? And he brought, he said, you bring all the preachers you got. They brought 850, 850 verses one, but he could handle it because he was redneck. And so they brought all these preachers together and he said, we're going to have a contest. We're going to build two altars and we're going to pray. And whichever, whichever altar fire falls on whatever God answers, that's the real God. He said, y'all go first. So they built their altar. They put their bulls on there and 850 prophets danced and prayed and hollered all day. They were cutting themselves. Listen, cutting is not new. It's been in the Bible for 2000 years. They're cutting themselves. These devil worshipers, <laughs> Elijah being much like some of us are from the country. He sits back in a lounge chair and makes fun of them. They're, they're praying. He said, maybe he's on vacation. Y'all should holler louder. He's over making fun of them while they're praying. And he's mocking them. And finally, after hours, he just turned up. He says, that's enough. Y'all sit down. It's my turn. He puts his wood together. He puts the bull on there. He said, before we do this, he said, bring me seven barrels of water. And he saturated that altar. Why did he do that? We're going to make sure everybody knows God alone can pull this off. Listen, the stuff we do in our lives in churches, you need to pour water on and make sure God's in it. And he saturated that thing with water and he set up and he prayed. He said, you are God. Let them know that I have done this at your word. And fire fell from heaven, consumed the altar, licked up the water, exploded everything. The whole nation repented, fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. And I'm standing over going, rock the house, son. Amen. I like that kind of stuff. So the, Elijah was not a minor leaguer. He, and then listen, that's not enough. The preachers that just got crushed, they started easing out sideways. He said, grab them, kill every one of them. And he killed every one. He didn't do it. He had, to, he had his, I guess his associate pastors kill every one of them. <laughs> and he killed every one of the prophets. Now, how many of you would say that is bad to the bone right there? Challenged the whole nation, called fire down, led the nation to repentance and killed all the ugly preachers. 
That dude rocks the house, doesn't he? My kind of, we need more preachers like that. And less of this PC crowd. He just rocked the house that day. All right, that's the end of chapter 18. Watch what happens in chapter 19, verse one. Ahab told Jezebel all Elijah had done, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time, what happened? Oh, Ahab runs back home to mama and tells her your prophets just got whooped and Elijah killed every one of them. And listen, this woman is evil. I mean, she's evil because she's demonic evil. She sends him a messenger. She sends a message before the sun sets tomorrow, you will lie with them. And you know what I thought when I read that the first time? He's fixing to whoop her. Surely a redneck preacher that can handle 850 liberal preachers can handle one woman. What do you reckon? Not so. And man, I'm going to tell you what. She sent him this word. And I want you to, now listen, understand this. This is not the woman. This woman is under the control of a powerful evil spirit. Now, I'm, I've been cute, but would you agree with me that Elijah was a strong man, full of the Holy Spirit? Would you say he was bold, confident in his God? His name, Elijah, is two Hebrew words jammed together. Eli means, Elah means my name, my God is. Jah is the shortened form of Jehovah. His name was my God is Jehovah. I mean, this dude was on the money. So she sends words, she says, I'm going to kill you. Watch what he does when she sends him an ugly message. Verse three, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. What is he doing? He's running from her. Went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He made his servants stay there. He himself, when a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree. Watch this. Prayed that he might die. What has happened to my rock star? What is wrong with this man? Watch this. And they prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough, O Lord. My goodness, take my life. I'm no better than my father. You know what it means? It is enough. I have had all I can take. And he's praying to die. And he lay and slept. And then he got up. He went on. Let's look up about verse uh, nine. He ran and ran to another cave. He went into a cave, spent the night in that place. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? How many of you think God asks something for information's sake? (laughs) What was the king saying to him? You are out of your place. Why are you running from this woman? What are you scared of? Why are you out here like this? Here's his answer. You're talking about messed up. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets. I alone am left and they want to take my life. Is that pathetic or what? This man, that's not the same man that was in chapter 18. Something has happened to him. Guess what happened to him? That spirit got involved in him. That spirit got on his life. Can you see the difference that spirit made in his life? Now, was he alone left? Read with me. The Lord answers in verse 18. I've reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and those that have not kissed him. He wasn't alone. Can you see how messed up his mind got and how this spirit got in his mind and got in his heart? He was just a totally different man. This guy was a powerful man at one time and this thing turned him completely around. Same thing happened with John. Same thing happened in the book of Revelation. I've seen this happen to preacher friends of mine. I've been, I've been messed with myself with this. All right, here's what the Bible teaches you and I. There was this, this evil thing. Did John, let me ask you a question. Did Elijah do anything wrong? He didn't sin. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. You say, I didn't think that the devil could bother godly, spirit-filled people that were obeying God. What do you see right there? This, this man's rocking the world. He's obeying God. Changed. He didn't sin. This thing got on him. Look what it did to him. I've seen this happen to many people. All right, let's do this. I want to take some time from scripture now and compile all this. I'm going to give you nine or 10 signs of pictures of how to discern when Jezebel is messing with you. And, and this'll, this'll, uh, you, you're going to go, been there and done that. You, saw, you don't think that thing can mess with me. I'm telling you the air is thick with her these days. And uh, we're going to we'll not only look at what it says, we're going to talk about how to be free from her too. All right, because the scripture tells us that too. Sign number one. See if you can pick this up with Elijah. Irrational fear and insecurity. 
a man that can whoop 850 prophets, face down the whole nation, call the, call the king puny, and he runs from one woman? I don't even know that is irrational. That don't even make sense. But the Bible word over in the New Testament, there was two books written to a young man who had the same problem. He pastored one of the three huge churches in the New Testament. His name was Timothy. And he had stomach ulcers. He was miserable. And Paul writes him and he says, you're getting killed in this church. He said, the old ladies are killing you. And he said, what did he say to him? Stir up the gift of God that is in you because God didn't give you a spirit of intimidation. Now, some Bibles say fear. It's the word intimidation. He gave you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. But young Timothy, the same thing happened to him. This spirit of intimidation and fear and withering got on him and it bothered him so bad. That's why he said, you got ulcers. Take a little wine for your stomach's sake. And it like to wreck his life. And listen, when you're facing, when you're, you're afraid and nervous and, and, it, and it don't make any sense, that could be Jezebel messing with your head. There was, there's no fear in the kingdom of God, none. I want to make an announcement. Timothy is not the only person God didn't give a spirit of fear to. That is for every believer. God did not give you fear. I mean, fear is the calling card of hell. Faith is the calling card of heaven. But of power and of love, what does a sound mind mean? A confident, clear thinking mind. So when you see, I've known preachers that were more redneck than I am. I mean, just confident. And I've watched them turn into jello. And I think, what? Let me tell you something, this is a powerful spirit and it brings fear on people's lives. Uh, intimidation. Sign number two, overwhelmed. You're just overwhelmed by circumstances. You just can't take no more. You're just buried. And, and it's a continual weariness. What, what Elijah said, I can't take this no more. I've had all I can stand. Let me tell you something. When you begin to lose your passion for life and your passion for Jesus, dear ones, God's people shouldn't be dragging through life. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. That's a Jezebel spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit wrote that song. That's a Jezebel spirit. What do you think should be, what, are, what should the people of God be like? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. You say, well, Brother Brian, I'm getting old. In the latter days, he will anoint me with fresh oil. I will flourish and be fresh and still bear fruit in my old age. I'm trying to hang in there. That ain't Jesus. Jezebel wears people out. All right, I'm fixing to get killed here. I had a lady, she's a young lady, and she said, if you had the two children to raise like I got to raise, you'd be dead at 28 also. I said, now let me make an announcement. I've never had a child. I've got some, I've got some offspring, but my wife raised them. I didn't do it. My hat's off to any woman. Golly, I'm with you. Dear, let me make an announcement. Grandma raised 12 youngins without an indoor problem, and she was still kicking the whole time. This is not circumstances. The spirit of Jezebel wears people out. It's a spirit of weariness and heaviness that the Bible speaks of. And uh, you're just overwhelmed by circumstances. And, and dear, we're not meant to be passionless people. We should be passionate about the God who loves us, the family he's given us, the ministry we have, the life we have. This, have a good one. That is Jezebel covering the land, sucking the life out of God's people. Number three, I quit. Quitting. What Elijah say? I'm done. I just quit. The, I can't go on anymore. A Jezebel spirit, let me tell you, let me tell you what you'll hear all the time. Give up. Give up on this marriage. Give up on this church. Give up on this dream you had. Just quit. Jezebel's name is quit. Uh, Robert Morris pastors one of the greatest churches in our nation. If it keeps going within three or four years, it'll be the largest church in our nation. Robert's one of the most anointed men of God, just tremendous. And I heard Robert telling, he's friends with James, I heard him telling that about three years ago, this thing got on him and he didn't know it. And he said, it crushed me. He said, I, I couldn't think straight. He said, I just, I was tired. He's not old, he's not near as old as I am. I was tired. And, uh, and he said, I just decided I can't take this no more. And we had already made plans to transition this church to somebody else. And my wife and I were gonna go do something else. Listen, the spirit of Jezebel wants you to quit. Give up. And he said, but you know something? He said, let me, let me tell you one identifying mark of Jezebel, of the Jezebel spirit. He said, when I would leave my city and go somewhere else, I was fine. 
He said, I'd get out of my city. Like we'd go to the coast to relax. We love to fish. He said, I'd go speak somewhere else. And he said, I'd just come alive. He said, I was excited again. I, 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 there was a passion. There was energy. But he said, when I would go back in my city, it was like something just drained out of me. And he said, Jack Hayford called one day and said, what is going on in your life? And he said, I don't know. And Jack said, there's a Jezebel spirit that has landed on you and your church and it's killing you and it's killing your church. He showed him how to deal with it. Robert said, I did it. And he said, something just changed. He said, the atmosphere changed. He said, I'm traveling more than ever and I've got more energy than I've ever had. A Jezebel spirit will just suck the life out of you and say, let's quit. Throw in the towel. Are we seeing that in our land today? Number four, depression and despair. I mean, dear ones, Elijah just rocked the world and he got so depressed. He wanted to do what? He prayed for God to kill him. I mean, that's pretty, listen, when you wake up in the, <laughs> you wake up in the morning, you read the obituaries and you go, lucky guy. That's bad. Dear ones, the spirit of God is the spirit of life and hope and dream. But, but Jezebel calls you to say, there's no hope. There's no hope for this. Listen, let me tell you something. What do you mean there's no hope for your family? If they're breathing and there's a God in heaven, there's hope. That's the spirit of God. We've lost, the, the, Jezebel sucks the faith out of us. So listen, all you have to do is give me the Bible and a need to pray on God will do something. That's the spirit of God. But when the spirit of Jezebel's on you, you, you just, you're in despair. Nothing's gonna work. Just utter hopelessness and, and just, you, you can't see any way forward. It's like you're, you're just, you're hunkered in and we're not gonna make it. Have you, you know what the Bible calls in Isaiah 61? Calls it a spirit of heaviness. You ever felt like something was just mashing you down? That's Jezebel. Unholy hussy. All right, number five. See if you've ever been here before. Isolation. What'd he do? This man was always around people. What'd he do? He ran. He told his servant, you can't go with me any further. He said, I want to get as far away from people as I can. Now, I've wanted to get away from people, but I never ran a whole day out into the woods. I mean, <laughs> I just wanted to get away from it all. We're not talking about Jimmy Buffett stuff here. Isolation. Now, dear ones, it is good to be alone with God. That's called solitude. When you get alone, you spend time with God. That's good. Isolation is when you're alone with your depressed self. That's not good. Isolation is when you, if you ever just leave me alone, I don't want to talk to anybody. And you just want to get alone and sulk. Listen, Jezebel wants to isolate you away from people because that evil hussy knows this. They get around people and iron will sharpen iron. I'm going to get them away from people so I can beat their brains out. And, they, and she'll isolate you and get you to want to just run and get away from people. And even this thing got on King David one time. Listen to what he said when it got on him. Oh, that I had the wings of a dove that I could fly away to a lonely place and be by myself. And that thing wants to run you off and get you isolated and get you all cooped up in hotels, cave life, all by yourself. Listen, it, it's good for me to be alone with, good, with God. That's wonderful. I don't need to be alone with Brian Long. I need people in my life. All right, number six, as you see this in his life. Boy, this is it right here, mental confusion. Can you see that he was thinking so screwed up? How did this man get to thinking that he's the only one that loved God? God said, I got 7,000 people I hadn't given her an inch. What do you mean you're the only one? But your thinking gets so screwed up. And let me tell you what it's like. It's like you're in a fog. It's like, it don't make sense anymore. Let me, let me listen to this. Here's what'll happen. When Jezebel's messing with you, God will seem like a fairy tale. This Christianity stuff won't seem real. It'll, it'll just seem weird and it just affects you mentally. You, your thinking is, I've, I've had friends get in this mess right here and their thinking's so messed up, they're confused. They don't know whether to do this. They can't make a decision. Their brain is scattered. That's Jezebel bringing a confused mind on people. Listen, here's the, here's the defining verse over this. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says this. God is not the author of confusion. Where your head is confused, that's not the Holy Spirit. Let's finish that verse. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Peace, as in all the church. I'm gonna quote again, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says this. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a clear thinking, sound mind. You should be in complete control of your mind. 
I mean, you, you don't need these crazy thoughts bouncing in and out of here. I've talked to people before in this minute. They couldn't even look at you and concentrate on what you were saying. I mean, they're all over the place. That's Jezebel. It's, it's James Robinson described it like this when he was struggling. With, he said, it was like there was a claw in my brain and it was scrambled. I couldn't even think straight. I couldn't concentrate for 30 seconds on something. Well, that's a Jezebel. You can see that on Elijah. And uh, see how it gets on people like that. <clears throat> Confusion. Number seven. <clears throat> no, see if you don't see this. Slowly you begin to doubt God's care for you. It gets in your head and you begin to think, if God cares about me, why isn't this happening? How come my prayer's not being answered? What did Elijah say? Really, who was, he, who was he accusing? He was accusing God for not taking care of his business. How many people have I had that at one time they were so confident and they believed in God's goodness and they knew that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And this mess gets on them before long. They, they don't want to say it because they're Christians, but they don't even want to pray anymore because they don't think God cares about them. Do you remember anybody in the New Testament this got on? Do you remember when Jesus visited in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? What did Martha say? You don't care about me. Do you not care at what I'm going through? That's a Jezebel spirit right there when you think God didn't. Listen, he nailed his son to a cross. He cares about every detail of your life. You can cast all of your care on him, 1 Peter 5, 8. Listen to this. He cares for you. And any thought that makes you think that he didn't care about the stuff in your life is from hell. And you got to recognize what's going on to you. Listen, God hadn't failed. You're being messed with. Messing with your head's what she's doing. The, to begin to doubt his care. Number eight, <clears throat> see if you've ever seen this. A critical negative attitude toward people. Somebody say amen tonight one time. I mean, you saw, read it right there in the Bible. I ain't making it up. What did Elijah, listen, God said, I got 7,000 people who honor me. What did Elijah say? Ain't nobody loves you. I'm the only one that loves you. All the rest of them have quit you. <laughs> Man, you talk about dark glasses. You begin to see life through them dark, dark glasses. Everything's dark. Everything's rotten. Everybody's going to the dogs. Even the dogs are going to the dogs these days. That's an evil Jezebel. Listen, the spirit of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 says, love sees the best in other people. Love always sees the best in people. When you begin to, let me, let me make it now. I'm going to cut to the chase. Y'all ready? Your wife is not your enemy. I can't get amen out of that. Your wife is not your enemy. Your husband is not your enemy. I don't know about, I don't know whether I get amen out of that or not, but why the enemy of our souls, a Jezebel spirit will turn you against other people. The problem's not right here. The problem's infernal. It is that evil, that darkness got on him and everybody was rotten except him. Don't you let that mess get on you. There's good things happening in the earth. Let me tell you something about young people today. Young people love God today when they turn toward him. I like this young this generation much better. They ain't no in between. They either love God or they worship the devil. They ain't much in between anymore. My generation, all they ended up with was a sore crotch trying to straddle the fence. And thank God that mess is over. <laughs> Number nine. Oh, let's go. Number nine. Come back. Number nine, sickness. Sickness and disease. Don't you think this spirit can't make people sick? And uh, I'm going to tell you something that's just crazy. This has happened no few times in churches in America. A woman that is, is controlled by a Jezebel spirit will come into a church, work her way into power, and that demon spirit through that woman will begin to get close to the pastor. I've seen this happen. This has happened to friends of mine. Get close to the pastor, and all of a sudden, this spirit will begin to whisper in the preacher's ear, her mouth, the preacher's wife's ear, you really need a woman that, that is equal to you that can really compliment you in the ministry and you can really be all God created you to be. And it's a demon spirit. And before long, that pastor's wife will get to beating herself. Betty Robinson, she said, I got to thinking in my mind, James needs somebody that's better than me to complete this ministry. And I began to pray for God to take my life young so James could find a wife that could help him. That is from hell. 35. God's not taking a 35-year-old woman's life. The days of our lives are 70 years and if by strength, 80. We need, to get, we need to get out of this whatever happens. We need to go back to the Bible. I'm back to the Bible. I get amen out of back to the Bible. But this thing, and then all of a sudden, the spirit of sickness will get in there and disease. Obviously, not all sickness is demonic. A lot of it's because you spend too much time at Zach's. We but it is. All right. And then I'll save number 10 for like, here's the last one. And this is the outstanding mark of Jezebel. There will be lewdness and sexual filth. 
She's filthy. Lewdness and sexual immorality. She's so filthy. That's the way she seduced Jezebel. I mean, seduced Ahab. It was, it's always sexual. Anytime you see a woman use sex to get something, that's a Jezebel spirit. That's her nature from the course. She did it with her. She even tried to put it on Jehu, the king that destroyed her. Second, uh, Second Kings chapter nine, the Bible said that Jehu went up the palace. She came out, she painted her eyes and put on a seductive dress. By the way, in case you're wondering, that's Second Kings 9.30. That's the verse that preachers use to preach against women wearing makeup. In case you wondered. I, preached, I spoke one night at the uh, Grandover Convention Center to 1,000 Mary Kay sales ladies. They were, I went out, I've never seen such 1,000 pink Cadillacs in the parking lot when I pulled up my old truck out there. I mean, you didn't wear a suit to that. You had to wear a tuxedo to that. I mean, that was uppity. And you know, back then, y'all don't remember that back then, preachers used to preach against the sin of wearing makeup. Anybody enough remember that? Oh, okay. Some of you, I preached against the sin of not wearing makeup that night. We had a blast in there. We had a great time. I, mean, I just, I throw that in for free in case she's wondering. But she's filthy. The filthy perversion and the sexual revolution that has gripped our nation is driven by this husband right here. This is what's behind this mess. All right, let's fast forward to the Gospels. Uh, that, by the way, this is the last you ever see of Elijah. He lost his call and his anointing right here because he let this woman do it to him. You never hear from him again in the Bible. God, his period wasn't over yet. He forfeited his right to lead there. Did Elijah come back again? Does anybody know? A man named John the Baptist. That was Elijah. That was the spirit of Elijah. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, he said, if you can receive it, John is Elijah who the Bible said would come again. And John came back in the spirit of Elijah to call people back to God. And, and John, if Elijah was a redneck, John was redneck times two. I mean, I, I'm not even going to tell you what he called people. John was rough. He lived out, he made Phil Robertson look like a ballerina dancer with a tutu on. I mean, he, he was just... <laughs> He was rough, lived out in the wilderness, wore leather. I mean, all came into town, had honey in his whiskers. He ate bugs. His diet was locust and wild honey. And he was wild and he came preaching and he did something. This is, I'm, I'm not making this up. Does anybody know if I'm telling the truth? Read it if you want to. He marches into town. All right, there was a king named Herod. Herod started lusting after his brother's wife. So he stole his brother's wife and moved her in and married, but he married her, married her, make it legal. John marches into the palace one day, leather outfit, whiskers, honey and all marched in and pointed at him and said, it is not lawful for you to steal your brother's wife like that. God have mercy. Does he not know about the separation of church and state? What are preachers doing talking to politicians? John was wrong, wasn't he? He said, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. What's the problem? It was lawful because the king made the law and he made a law. I can steal my, he wrote a law just to steal his brother's wife. So John didn't know that, did he? John knew full well what the law of the land was. John wasn't talking about the law of the land. He was talking about the law of God. And he announced the law of God to the head politician that day. That's for those of you who believe in separation of church and state. I'm making an announcement. God doesn't believe in it. Since he created the state, he should get to run it. I just thought I'd throw that in for free. None of my business. Anyway, so John did that and guess where Jezebel was? She revived in Herodias and Herodias hated him with a demonic passion. Now you're going to see how Jezebel works in people's lives right here. She, she didn't, Jezebel is so smart and seductive. She concocted a scheme to kill that preacher. And let me tell you something. The spirit of Jezebel hates strong preachers who preach the Bible. They want to kill him if they can. So she comes up with this cockamamie scheme. On his birthday, she gets him drunk. I mean, gets him plastered out there in front of all of his nobles. And her daughter's name was Salome. She was a teenage girl. She told her daughter, you go in there and you do the most seductive, dirty dancing you can in front of that king while he's drunk. You get him excited and we're going to kill John with this. That was her scheme to kill that preacher. Jezebel will stoop to no end to destroy what God's doing in the earth. So she goes in and really, you know what, you know what the Herodias knew? She knew that the king really lusted after her daughter more than her. Here's what's stupid about a Jezebel spirit when it gets on people. And I've told this to women before. Do you really think if he left his wife for you, he won't leave you for somebody else? Evil is never satisfied. 
I mean, you're just going to keep bouncing on. Listen to what the Bible said. The, this is what the Bible says about lust and, and all this garbage we've got going on. Listen, what, let's see if you hear this. The leech has two daughters that cry, give, give, but they are never satisfied. And what satisfies you today, you'll turn on tomorrow. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul for a lifetime. Only the Spirit of God. So Salome goes in there and dances. He's drunk. He gets all excited. He says, you can have anything I want. What do you want? What do you think? What would she ask for? How about the Rolls Royce chariot or the Mercedes chariot or the, her own cell phone? I don't know. What do you ask for? She looks at her mama and says, tell him, kill the preacher. So he tells when John got his head cut off. That's the spirit of Jezebel. And then the third time you see Jezebel in scripture written of is in the book of Revelation where this spirit has attached itself to this church and it's seducing the church folks into sexual immorality and into idolatry. And that's just the filthiness of it. Now, let me, let me tell you, let me cover this ground right here. We have a problem today with immorality in our nation. I don't know if you knew that or not. Some people call it the sexual revolution and <laughs> there's nothing new about it. This has been going on long as the earth's been going on. I, uh, <laughs> I got tickled. I'm t I love to talk to teenagers. They bless their dear messed up hearts. I just love them. You know what the problem is? They've been in the public schools too long. That's where they're getting fed truth from. You can learn math and science in the public school. You're probably not going to learn truth in the public school. Now, if you teach public school, God bless you. I'm cheering for you. You, you working behind enemy lines. And uh, they, I was talking to some not long ago and they were telling me, they said, well, you, you know where they're teaching us, we need to practice safe sex. And I said, listen, I agree with them. You need to practice safe sex. They said, oh, we thought you'd have been against rubbers. That's what they called them back then. I said, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about biblically safe sex. That means you marry one woman, stick with her for one lifetime and you wait to get married. That's safe sex. I said, this ain't you. I've been practicing it 38 years. Y'all need to get with it, doc out there. You know what I mean? Here's the deal. We've lost our minds in this nation. Who's behind it? All right, let me tell you something. When this spirit begins to work on people, your mind, here's the word, bombarded. This thing works in your mind. And I've had people say to me, I hate these thoughts, but I can't stop thinking this. What, what, what should that tell you? You're in complete control of your own mind. If something's bombing your thoughts and you're not in control of it, what does that tell you? But that's Jezebel's MO. To Je and listen, she does not stop. She is relentless. She's relentless in the way that she just comes on and on and on. And uh, listen to me carefully. This is always set up as the scripture says. How many of you think you're going to be attacked sitting in church during worship? Probably not. You might be, but probably not. What does the Bible teach you in Luke chapter 4? Satan departed until, does anybody know? An opportune time. And uh, the Bible says that dark powers watch us. They're called familiar spirits. That's why they're called familiar spirits. They're familiar with what we do. And they watch us. Well, they're always waiting on. Let me get them in just the right place. Just the right time. Actually, the powers of hell are a lot like bass fishermen. <laughs> Y'all didn't know that. I can't just get out there on my boat on the lake and say, I've come to get y'all. I have to go at just the right time. I have to make sure they don't see me. I have to make it look real flashy and I have to put it in just the right place. And he's mastered this thing. I'm traveling one night. I was going, I was going to James Robinson meeting, going to Texas. I stopped in Louisiana for the night. <laughs> I'm telling you what, she don't quit. And I'm tired and I'm weary. That's about midnight. I pull in there. I get my Kia window parked and I'm walking to my hotel door about where that camera is right there. And out of the corner of my, I see a woman coming this way. And she walks over to me. It's in January. It's so cool. I walks over to me. She's got on a fur coat and she walks up to me. She didn't say, hi, I'm Judy. Nothing. She just said, I don't have a thing on under this coat. I started to say, you go freeze if you take that thing off. <laughs> She said, you want to spend the night with me? I said, lady, I'm a Baptist preacher. I said, you have never been bored till you spent the night with a Baptist preacher. Go back to your room and behave, put you some britches on. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what's next? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to tell you that. I probably shouldn't have told that. but just a constant badgering and temptation. All right, let me tell you something. Most people, you're going to deal with this. This is just, this is working in the earth right now. All right, let me go to scripture now. Let's talk about, well, what do I do? The Bible is very clear about what we do. 
how to deal with this. I want people to be free. Listen, Jesus came so the truth could set us. You ever heard that verse? The truth will set you from what? What do you think it sets you free from? The garbage that's seeking to destroy your life and your family from junk like this. All right, let me tell you what the Bible teaches. I'm going to go back again. I'm going to quote it to you. We won't look at it. Let me quote it to you. What did Jesus say to the church in Revelation chapter 2? Why are you tolerating this? Why are you letting this go on? Can you see that Jesus expected them to be able to stop this thing? All right, let me help you. This may be new to somebody, but let me help you with this. All right, the Bible gives us, I want you to remember the first Peter chapter 5 and see what the Bible says about this. I, I feel so sorry for people that get their brains beat out. They get, it's like being smothered under this thing. And as I said, I've lost, I've, got, I've lost many preacher friends who lost their churches, lost their families because they didn't recognize what was happening to them. I, Jack Hayford, for crying out loud, America's pastor, the godliest man that ever lived. He's a 35-year-old pastor. He's teaching in a Bible college. A Jezebel spirit in a woman became his associate. And Jack said it was not lust. But he said, something got in my head and convinced me, this spirit convinced me something's going to happen to your wife and God has brought this woman into your life and she's going to become your companion and she's going to help you in ministry. And he, listen, this is one of the godliest men ever. He wrote the Life Study Bible. He's the greatest songwriter ever. He's the man that, he's written more contemporary Christian songs than any person in history. I'm not talking about a minor leaguer here, but that thing got in his head. He said, he said, all of a sudden things began to happen in my life. I just couldn't understand. And he said, a friend came to me and said, let me tell you what's going on with you. And he said, I dealt with that thing. And I realized looking back, he said, it's, I thought it was the Holy Ghost. Friend, let me, let me tell you something. Wherever the spirit of God is, evil's going to be right out here with it. He's called the Antichrist, which means alike Christ. 2 Corinthians eleven four 4 says this, Do not be surprised if Satan does not disguise himself as an angel of righteousness and an angel of light. But let me remind you this, he's a liar too. And Jack said, looking back, I, began, I was broken that I'd do that. When I told my wife and, and God helped me and saved me. Of course, he became one of the greatest pastors ever in America. And he's the pastor to Hollywood believers now. And he said, I revealed to me later, said it was a Jezebel spirit. He said, but it was, this, what, what do you think the name of that spirit would be? Your wife's going to die. And it's not lust, murder. He said, the spirit of murder got hold of me and I didn't even recognize it. Now, let me tell you something. The entrance to thy word gives light. And we need the spirit of God in our lives to keep light in our lives. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, I want to look at two verses. Scripture teaches me and you this. Now listen, do me a favor. Can we believe what the Bible says? Would you do me a favor and not go ask an expert? You don't need a commentary that thick to explain to you what Jesus meant in a verse that long. Just believe what the man says right here. First Peter 5, 8 says this. <clears throat> be sober, be vigilant because, why should I be sober and vigilant? Because your adversary who? How many of you have an adversary? What does it say right there? When are we going to start believing what God says? Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a what? What's he doing? Tell me what he's doing in that verse. He's looking, looking for somebody to do what? What's devour mean? Destroy. He's looking for a home to destroy. He's looking for a life to destroy. He's looking for a church to destroy. Tell me where he's at right now. Where's he at? What's it say? He's walking around. Do you remember when Satan appeared in the presence of God in the book of Job and God said to Satan, where'd you come from? He said, from walking around in the earth. I'm walking around in the earth. And what's he looking for? Somebody to destroy. Now I want to ask you a question. How have you believe that you could be destroyed by this enemy? Well, if I can't be, why'd the Bible tell me to be vigilant? All right, now here's the answer. And the next verse says this. Do what? Resist who? Him. Quit messing with your family. Quit messing with these other people. Quit blaming yourself. It's him. Resist him. And how do we do it? Steadfast in faith. I can, let, let me ask you this question. We're not Bible scholars, but can you see clearly there is a real enemy. He wants to destroy you, but you can easily resist him in faith and save yourself. I mean, that's, that's just clear. Uh, don't read a commentary on it. Just believe what God says about this. And we need to recognize, number, I'm going to give you a couple of things. Number one, you need to recognize what's happening. You know, what is, what is, now be sober doesn't mean, it's not referring to alcohol there. It means stay awake. What does be vigilant mean? 
stand and watch. What's, what's the word we get from vigilant? Vigilante. Somebody that's standing and watching all the time. You know, if you, if you were to call me and say, listen, I was in a bar, not a bar, I was in a restaurant today. Well, you'd be in a bar. You got calls in this bar today. Overheard these two guys saying they're going to break into your house. Said they're coming right after midnight. I heard them say that. They didn't know who I was, but I heard them say they're going to break in your house after midnight. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go fishing. Wrong. No, the three of us are going to stand at the door. Not me, Mama and Junior, me, Smith and Wesson. We're going to stand at the door. If I really thought somebody was going to break in my house right after midnight, I would stand at the door with my trusty 45. Am I over your head here? What'd the Bible say? There's somebody walking around trying to destroy you. You better stand at the door. That's what be vigilant means. It means pay attention. Recognize this stuff. Know what's going on. You got to recognize this. Uh, all right. By nature, I'm not a very nervous person. There's not much I'm afraid of. But if all of a sudden paralyzing fear begins to get on me, I should recognize... You know, that's probably because, that's not because I'm scared of that 110 pound woman I live with. Although I am. <laughs> if I, all of a sudden I become nervous that if I don't, if, if I, if I preach this, my church might not like it. And that starts bothering me. That's not y'all. That's the hounds of hell. I don't care whether you like it or not. <laughs> I do care. But do you understand when we begin to recognize these things we've talked about tonight coming into our lives, we need to go, you know what? Somebody's messing with my head. When you begin to just get bombarded with lustful, impure thoughts, quit beating yourself up and say, is that coming from the outside? Let me tell you something about my mind and my heart. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. I've been born again in the spirit of God. If I get bombarded, it's coming from the outside in. And you need to recognize what the hell's going on here? This is not me. It is from hell. And be vigilant means you recognize, so this is what's happening to me. And you begin to just so... Now listen, if you're tired, go take a nap. But you shouldn't be eternally tired. Son, I'm 62 years old and I, I pray constantly. I've got to have 20 more years of productive hard work and then I'll slow down and part-time pastor. There should, if your the spirit of God keeps you charging all the time, but when you're just weary and worn out, now maybe because you got a, maybe because you got a, a chemical thing and you're a woman, I don't understand all that stuff either. I know men shouldn't be tired. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm, I'm picking. But when you're just, when you want to quit and you can't take it no more, you need to ask, where is this coming from? That's what it means to be vigilant. Recognize what's going on in your life. Number two, now listen to me carefully. You need to refuse this stuff. You don't have to take these deliveries, dear one. Please listen to me. Quit coddling demon spirits. So, I, I, Brother Brown, I'm, I'm not going to do anything, but I just sort of let it play around in my mind a little bit. You let it play, it will own you tomorrow. You need to catch it at the door and say, not today, Bubba. They're, they're, you say, you sound awful redneck tonight. No, it's called vigilant. We become too passive with our enemy. And you're going to be like Elijah. It's going to cut the life out of you. And we need to just, I'm just done. Listen to what the Bible said. Give no place to your enemy. Where do you give place to your enemy? Where does it always start? Right here. I've made up my mind. This mind belongs to Jesus. Dear ones, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. That means this mind belongs to Jesus and rats ain't running around in it. I don't know if you knew it. That's some of the best preaching you've heard in a long time. That's good preaching right here. You got to make up your mind. Hatred, prejudice, anger, filth. That crap. Listen, low self-esteem. Not today, Bubba. Pack it up. Take it to the Methodist preacher. You ain't messing with me today. I want demons to go home at night bandaged and bruised. Please give us to somebody else tomorrow. And then last of all, you got to, you got to resist. What the Bible say right there? Resist. That means push back. You got to battle in faith. All right, let me, let me help you something. Perhaps you've never seen before. We got to run. All right. Jezebel, Elijah was done. Elijah had his ministry cut off because he let her neuter him. And you never hear him again in the Bible. But God raised up a man by the name of Jehu. And Jehu was, he was rednecker than Elijah. 
And Jehu found where she was at the palace and he rode his horse right up to the front. And the Bible said she even tried to seduce him. That's that verse where she painted her eyes and put on that little flimsy dress and came out sashaying with her fancy self. And she tried to seduce the preacher, but guess what she found out? This preacher wants no part of this foolishness. And she said, you come in peace, Jehu. And he said, there's no peace as long as you're around. And he looked up, he said, who's on the Lord's side up there? And three little broken men who had been neutered, which is a whole different picture. The leader said, where well, he said, chunk her down, boys. <laughs> I just loved yesterday's preachers. Chunk her down, boys. And they grabbed her and they threw her off the balcony and busted her on the pavement or the rocks, whatever. Jehu got on top of her with his horse and he stomped her to death till the blood flew against the walls. He said, God, don't, don't talk like that in church. God put it in there. What's that all about? What's that all about? Do not play games with this thing. Kill it. If you don't kill it, it'll kill you. Stomp the life out of it. Quit giving ground to this thing. It's going to destroy you. And that's the picture of destroying that just, that's, a, that's not about huzzy women. Pray for huzzy women to get saved. Huzzy men too. I'm the equal opportunity offender. <laughs> it's the spirit. It's about destroying the spirit that was going to destroy the land. All right, I'm going to show you something perhaps you've never seen this before. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. You can do the same thing to this evil spirit. Friend, if you let him go, he's got free right to run. Luke chapter 10. All right, Luke chapter 10. When you sense this thing aggravating you or you begin to see this kind of mess in your life, take authority over it and send it out of your life and out of your house. Tell it what to do. He said, man, Brother Brown, I hadn't been trained in that stuff. You're fixing to get trained. You don't need training. You need God's truth. You need to know what the Bible says. And I'm going to show you in the Bible and I want you to remember this verse. I want you to go home and chew on it. It's either true or it's not. And I want you to read this verse with me. Luke chapter 10. Well, we're going to read a couple. Luke chapter 10. The 70 returned. Jesus sent 70 out with joy saying, Lord, the demons are subject to us in your name. What'd they say? Demon spirits have to do what we tell them to do when we use the name of Jesus. Got it? All right. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When did he see that? In the origin when God threw him out of heaven. All right. Verse 19. I want you to, before we read verse 19, you make up your mind. God's speaking to you right here. And you believe verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Watch these words. Over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What did that verse say right there? Every blood-bought believer who knows the name of Jesus has got authority over every evil spirit in the earth. And you can tell it to get out of your life and get out of your home and get out of your church and it will listen to you. You say, brother, man, I, I've never been trained in this stuff. You just got trained. I just gave you the key to the kingdom right there. You say, well, I don't even know how to say it. Let me tell you something. It don't matter how you say it, say it. You, you can struggle with it. I can remember Jack, uh, uh, Vineyard Church, lost my mind for a minute. Jack, Jack, John Wimber, John Wimber. I remember John Wimber saying, I was a Methodist preacher, never heard this in my life, read this. And next thing you know, this little girl, ugly, filthy voice coming out of this little teenage girl calling me out. And, and I said, I rebuke you. And he said, that thing looked at me and said, you don't have any authority over me and you don't know what you're doing. And John used to have a group called the Righteous Brothers. Anybody remember the Righteous Brothers? Already had the Righteous Brothers. John bowed up. He said, let me tell you something. He said, you're right about me not knowing what I'm doing. Agree with the enemy. But you are wrong about me not having authority over you coming out of that girl before the sun comes up. Oh, I love that kind of attitude. You, listen, y'all are, are too passive tonight. You need to be sitting here going, praise God, I'm going to tear him up. Amen. And you need to do this. And the Bible said you have authority. But now listen to me, verse 20. Don't get cocky about it. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that, what does it say? Demons are subject to you in the name of Jesus. You rejoice because Jesus died for you and wrote your name in heaven. We don't rejoice over evil spirits. I hate messing with them, but it's a necessity. When I get rats in the garage, just get rid of them. We don't celebrate it. Just get rid of them. And the Bible said we have got to take authority. That's why the scripture said in, in Matthew 16, 19, listen to what Jesus said. What you bind on earth, I will bind from heaven. Elijah can, I mean, uh, Jezebel can be wearing my life out and God won't do a thing because he gave me the authority. to buy. And when I bind it with my words and his truth, 
He'll move from heaven and work on it. Now I've dealt with this mess all my life. I've had, I, I'm not going to bore you with the stories of this junk and stuff I've seen happen in 35 years of this, but I've dealt with it no few times. I've dealt with Jezebel spirits in a church. I've dealt with them in my own personal life before. And when I, when the spirit, when I realize what's going on, that makes me so mad. My church don't belong to hell. My church is bought by the son of God. I don't belong to him. I belong to Jesus Christ. Could you imagine? I am the bride of the living son of God. Could you imagine I'm walking through the park? I go to the parking lot and I see my wife walking across the parking lot and I see some little thug come up and grab her. You think I'm going to be mad at her? The three of us is headed that way. I promise you somebody's going to have hell to pay when I get there. I belong to Jesus. And when this mess goes on in my, when I realize what's going on, I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And I always take time in the word to get the word down in my heart and pray and worship God a little bit. And then I rear back and I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command the spirit of Jezebel, you will depart from me. Get out of my head. Get out of my life. Get out of my house. Get out of my church. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And don't you come back either. In the name of Jesus. All right, now listen to me. Let me tell you what'll happen. This little thought will come to my mind. How do you know it worked? And I don't even answer. You know why? What do you know about him? He's a liar. I just say, bye. Bye. He said, man, I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not trained. You got trained tonight. Get him out of your house. Get him out of your head. Get him out of your life. Get him, tell him, go wherever you want to go. But you ain't going to do it here. What is it about believers when Jesus said, those who believe in my name, they will lay hands on the sick. They will cast out demons. Demons casting out demons is part and parcel. That's everyday practice for believers. Get rid of them. I don't care where they go as long as they get out of here. All right, I'm going to quit. I'm gonna, I, hear, I hear you thinking out there. I hear you. I'm going to answer it. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. Let truth prevail. God's word is true and everything we think is garbage. We should never have let Hollywood teach us about the devil. This ain't about heads spinning around in green vomit. This is about the truth of God's word. Amen. We need to get back to the word and believe what he says. My buddy, Robert Morris. I just love Robert. He's getting ready. Service is going to start one day at Gateway Church. He's in there praying. And he said, I was just praying and waiting for service to start. And I said, all of a sudden into my mind came this thought. And he said, I know it was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, before you go out there, rebuke the spirit of Jezebel that's coming against this church and you stand against her and you make her leave this church. And he said, I know it was the spirit of God that just put it in my heart to do that. And he said, this is what I thought in my mind. He thought, Jezebel is a strong spirit. And he said, when I thought that, immediately I heard the voice of God thunder at me. And the voice of God said this to me, Jezebel is not a strong spirit compared to me. Now you do what I told you to do. And <laughs> I think that's God's way of saying to preachers, man up. Close the door. Dear ones, do not be intimidated by anything. The Bible says there's only one thing you should fear on this planet. What is that? Those who fear the Lord shall do great exploits. Tell fear to get out of your head and heart. All right? I, I got you. You got the deer in the headlights look tonight. I don't know. <laughs> Bless your dear heart. Listen, I don't want to stand before the Lord and him say, why didn't you teach them people to protect themselves? But what I've told you tonight, this is rampant in this. This spirit owns this nation right now. This is the insane. I was talking to my buddy Walt about this. Let me tell you what's happened in this nation recently. A judge, now it's been reversed, a judge ruled that a woman could force her seven-year-old child to be castrated and have sex change surgery. While the daddy disagreed, the judge gave the authority to the mother. That is a Jezebel spirit owning a land. Now, thank God another judge stepped in and over. A seven-year-old child shows you how evil we've become in this land. But I'm going to tell you something. God is raising up an Elijah spirit in his church in this day who are going to say, we're not going to let this mess run over our homes and our lives. And you're going to be part of it. It's going to be on. Let me tell you what I do to folks. <laughs> People say, well, can I go with you and watch it one time? You go with me, you'll watch it because you'll do it. How many of you know the best way to learn how to do something? Thank you. Thank you. You know how my daddy taught me how to swim? We don't spend no money at the YMCA. He took me to the end of the pier and threw me out there. How many of you know when he throws you out there, you'll figure it out. I asked him later, would you, would you come and got me if I hadn't made it? <laughs> He never did answer. I don't know what the deal was. 
just love to take people with me and, and get it all set up and say, you're on. Go ahead. Matter of fact, I'm going to get something to drink. Help yourself. Dear ones, listen to me. Do not let this garbage be in your life or your family. Father, I want to praise you and thank you so much. We have allowed the enemy, as your word said, the spirit of Jezebel has crept into the church. She's crept into the nation. We've seen a, a hellish transformation, Father, in about 40 years in this nation. But all over this land, the spirit of God is beginning to move, saying, raising up these Elijah hearts to say, stop that, take that back. I pray for every person in this room that they would, even if this has been a little overwhelming tonight, they would at least say, I saw it in the Bible. And I pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit of God, I love you. I worship you. I worship you alone. I pray you'll help people in this room that when this mess starts in their lives, I pray for grace to recognize it. You are the spirit of truth. You're the spirit of light. I can't stand to see anybody tormented by an unholy devil. And I pray in Jesus' name, you'll bring light and life and hope into people's lives and hearts. When this mess is going on, I pray for freedom. Oh, Jesus, I could not imagine somebody kidnapping my kids and torturing them. And your kids are tortured by these evil things when you gave us the authority to say no to it. I pray for every man in this room tonight that he would rise up. Don't be like an unlike Ahab. Stand up like Jehu, a leader that God has appointed not to be the boss in his house, to protect his house. And stand in that house and say, God gave me this family and no enemy going to take it away from me. Lord Jesus, as the disciples prayed, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to protect our homes, our heads, our hearts, our lives, and our destinies. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.